Today's gospel has, at least in my opinion, one of the more sort of intriguing uh, passages in the New Testament. It's whenever Father Abraham is speaking to the rich man who is in the place of torment about why Lazarus, the poor man, can't go and do his bidding. He says that there's a great chasm established between, we would assume, heaven and hell, where Abraham is and where the rich man is, to prevent anyone from crossing who might want to go from the hell side to the heaven side or the heaven side to the hell side. And so what I find interesting about this is why would anyone want to go from heaven to hell? Why would this chasm have to be established? Now, as we're going to see, Jesus, of course, is speaking in a parable. He's not speaking literally as if there were some real physical chasm there. But it brings up that interesting question. Is it possible for someone in heaven to want to leave? To say, I'm done with this. I want to go to that other place. And the truth is, it's kind of a question I get a lot as a priest. Phrased in a little different way, but ultimately the same. Is it possible for someone who is in heaven to choose to leave? To no longer be in heaven, to be in the presence of God? Because it seems that if you don't want to leave heaven, or if you can't leave heaven... And somehow your freedom is restricted. You're almost forced to be there against your will. But the truth is, that is the furthest from the truth. And the best way I can explain it is this. If you are in heaven, you are beholding God's face. You're taking part in the spiration of the Holy Spirit, the very life of the Trinity, you're not going to want to leave. Imagine that you are looking at a beautiful work of art. You're at one of the best meals you've ever had, and you're spending time with someone that you love more than anyone in the world. Even though you may have other options, someone may tell you, hey, leave, come and do something else. Even though you technically have the freedom to do it, you're not going to want to. You're so drawn in by the beauty. You're so drawn in by the experience. You're looking at the face of the beloved. And nothing else is going to make you want to leave. So take that and imagine it and multiply it by infinity. Even though we're still going to be free in heaven, we're not going to be chained to the Trinity, we're not going to want to leave because we're going to be so focused on worshiping God and his beauty. So in sort of an ironic sense, it's the perfection of our freedom when we want to use all of our freedom to know and to love God. And in doing so, it sort of paradoxically restricts our freedom that we don't want to do anything else. But it's ultimately the perfection of our freedom. And so that's sort of the answer to that question. It would seem that people in heaven would not want to cross over to that other side. But what about the other option? What about people crossing 
from hell to heaven. You'd figure after a while, old people are going to get kind of tired of the hot poker and say, I'm going to go to this other place. I didn't make the right choice. They would see, they'd want to leave, and that's probably why the chasm exists. It exists there so the people in hell can't say, I want out of here. I want to go to the place where there's air conditioning. But if we look closer at the gospel, we're going to see another sort of, sort of strange, potentially ironic uh, reality. Look at the rich man's speech. The rich man is in hell in his place of torment, but he never once mentions wanting to leave. He never once mentions, I want to get out of here. Instead, what does he do? First, he says, tell Lazarus to come and dip his finger in some water so that he can put it on my tongue and I can sort of be a little cooled off. Or then when Abraham says, no, that's not possible, at least then send him on this errand to go speak to the people in my father's house. He's not interested in leaving. He's not mentioning. He's not saying, Abraham, take me out. I'm really sorry for what I've done. In fact, what do we see him do? He's treating Lazarus like the same piece of dog that he treated him when he was alive. Lazarus is not a human being. Lazarus is still there to do his bidding, to, to come and make my life easier, go and help other people. He doesn't want to get off his derriere to do anything. And so we see that Lazarus' attitude in life hasn't changed in the next life. He doesn't want to leave. He is set in his ways, in a certain sense, into an eternity. And it points to a reality that blows a lot of people's minds. But I can encourage you to go read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, is the reality is that the damned, the people who are in hell, choose it. They're there because they want to be there. As the Catechism says, that it is a free choice that we make, a willful turning away from God, that hell is the definitive self-exclusion from heaven. The people who go to hell, yes, God ratifies their decision, but they're the ones who've chosen to say, I don't want heaven. I don't want to cross over this chasm. I'm happy where I am. I'm actually miserable where I am, but I don't want to leave. It's a choice they make. And this blows our minds. So how can we understand it? Now, I always go back to the prodigal son, my favorite parable also. We heard a few weeks ago from the Gospel of Luke. It explains why they don't want to. And it's the older son. The father says, hey, older son, we're having this party in here. We want you to come inside. And the older son refuses. I don't want to go inside. I'm mad at you. I'm angry at the way that you've treated me unjustly. The way that you're showing favoritism to that younger son of yours. I will not go in. The father goes out to plead, but he's not going to force him. He willfully chooses to exclude himself from the party, from the father's house, and so he stays out in the darkness by his own free choice, miserable, angry, filled with hate. That's what hell is. The choice deliberately 
to not go into the Father's house. And so in a certain sense, maybe you could even say, and I'm not saying this is literal, but we can understand it this way, that's why the chasm exists, is because the people in heaven would want to go down to the people in hell and bring them in. Even though technically they would not do that, understandably, but we're sort of saying that they would be the ones who'd want to cross over the chasm. But they don't. Because they can't. Because the other person doesn't want to come in. He wants to stay outside. We've all experienced this in our own lives. You can try to love certain people. You can try to give them certain things, but they don't want it. They close themselves off to love, to gift, to receptivity, to everything here on earth. And this is the key. Those decisions that people make on earth to close themselves off, to cut themselves away from God, away from others, the, the way they treat other people, the way they treat themselves, or the way they treat God, those decisions carry on into the next life. You are what you choose. And so the rich man all of a sudden didn't get to the next life and is just a totally different person. The choices that we make on this earth determine the final choice. Yes, the choice the Lord ratifies for us. But if we continuously exclude ourselves from God and from communion with him and from others, just like the rich man, that choice is going to extend into the next life. And it's going to be a choice that goes on endlessly. Because if you've chosen yourself over everyone else and God for all of your life, and all of a sudden you get and you see that heaven is this big party where there's mercy and forgiveness and love, you're going to want to have no part of it. I always say, it's like me, if I got to heaven and realized it's like the kitty in a mall on Black Friday, I want no part of it. But it's the choices that we make now we'll carry into the next life. So we got to think about what we choose and how they build on each other, informing who we are, informing our will, informing our choices. But this, though, is the final part that I want to wrap it up. It's something to think about. And again, this is sort of a theological point. Trying to understand better what that chasm might be. If it's not a physical chasm, what is it exactly? So if you read your theology about heaven and hell, people struggle with this idea that hell could be eternal. We have no problem understanding that heaven is eternal, but how could hell be eternal? Well, if you read our theology and know what the church fathers say, it's probably not the proper word. That hell instead, the hell of the damned, is endless. It's like a torment that never ends not expanding out into infinity, but what some might call the unchangeable rigidity of now. This moment, this misery, this hell that I've created, that we constrict ourselves into this moment that seems never to go away or never to end. That's the chasm. And we begin building that chasm now instead of the love that comes from heaven. 
And the fact that our freedom, even though we would choose nothing else but God, is expanded into this radical way of the freedom of eternity. It doesn't end, and it's like the moment that you never want to end. That all of eternity is pressed into that one instant. The chasm is the restriction of our freedom. The chasm is the limiting of our love so that we entrap ourselves for now and for eternity and our choice and our refusal to love God and love others. Amen. One small addendum. Uh, probably another reason we can say the rich man would not have wanted to cross the chasm to get into heaven is because Lazarus was there. He didn't care about Lazarus or being with Lazarus while on earth. Why would he care for the rest of eternity to spend time with Lazarus, particularly because we see that he really didn't change his attitude towards him. Heaven's a place where we're all in Christ uh, going to be in communion with others. And so if he didn't want to be with him in communion on earth, why would he want to, keeping that same attitude, do it in heaven? So the chasm again sort of becomes that self-exclusion which comes as a result of the selfishness and the constriction of his freedom.